Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. everyone and welcome to another episode of two player bros i'm mike doing another solo adventure <sighs> so alone anyway so today because i'm alone and because i really want to do is i wanted to do a spider-man uh remaster and miles morales post game i rushed through remaster completed all the dlc you know finished up what i didn't finish before on playstation 4 Got to the DLC, finished all that up. It was more DLC than I thought. I'm currently playing Miles Morales. I'm about 15% done with the game. I don't want to really go too far into it, Miles Morales anyway, until I beat it and do a, a decent post game on it because I do think it is deserving of a, of a post game. So I'll probably go over a little bit of Spider-Man Remaster now so that most of my review, my post game will be on Miles Morales. And we're going to go over some news uh some of the newest news that's out there right now and give you my opinion on it so let's just jump right into it spider-man remaster on the playstation 5 first of all my playstation 5 you'll notice that i got a game the internet issues i had which apparently a lot of people had had on reddit and over the internet that i saw these issues seem to be fixed for me I know there have been a couple of updates since I got my PlayStation 5, so that might have fixed it. It definitely wasn't my Wi-Fi. So the review I said before where I was a little mad about how hinky that was, it's completely solved now. That's an issue that should have been solved at the gate, but I understand when systems first ship, there are issues, so I'm not too salty about it. It works now, and it's working great. I don't know if it's faster than the Series X at everything or slower than everything. Honestly, to me, if it's a second off here or there in these other comparison videos, I find I, I who cares? You know, I have both systems because I don't want to miss out on the greatest games that either Xbox brings or PlayStation brings. PlayStation 5, the UI system is better. It is not as good as the Xbox, in my opinion. The controller, though, is a market improvement even over the PS4 controller, which I thought was a market improvement over PlayStation 3, 2, and the original. Uh, the PlayStation controller is generally why I prefer the Xbox over PlayStation since they came out. The PlayStation controller has never felt incredibly comfortable. I do think the two-thumb placement on the bottom is not my favorite layout, but this controller at first was a little clunky. It is more comfortable. It is more grippable. The haptic feedbacks are great. I love 
being able to feel the tension in the triggers. And I love that the rumble is actually all over the different controller, depending where it is. The microphone features, the speaker features, the touchpad features. They're all great additions to this controller that I think put it in an equal playing field on the Xbox controller. While the Xbox controller will always be the most comfortable controller to me in my hand, negligible. I can still hold it forever and I don't feel like, uh, hands a little cramped up or anything like they used to on the PlayStation controller. It still feels very comfortable. So kudos to that. I also found out the back of the PlayStation 5 controller, the grips texture is actually the X's, triangles, circles, and squares from the controller buttons, which I think is really fun. I took my phone, uh, put it on magnify and looked at the back of the controller, tried to focus, and I did indeed see these little buttons, which are I can't see them with my own eye. I don't know if someone has eagle eyes. My vision's pretty good. I don't wear glasses and I still couldn't see it. But I think that's a pretty cool Easter egg. So onto the game. Spider-Man Remaster definitely looks a lot nicer on the PlayStation 5. If I ask Dave, he probably wouldn't see it because it's all down to some ray tracing effects that are in it. But I did notice pretty much right off the bat because I did play more Spider-Man over quarantine as well you know, trying to 100% the game. So I have played it very recently and noticed not only are the lighting effects different, which really do update and elevate the game, but there's just more stuff going on. There's more debris on the ground. There's more people walking around. There's more cars. You can tell that with all of this extra power in the PlayStation 5, they were able to cram more into the city and make it seem more alive. Now this is on the fidelity mode where you play at 30 frames per second and it's 4K ray tracing, and there's more stuff going on. You can also play it in performance mode where it boosts everything up to 60 frames per second. Personally, I'm more of a graphics guy, so I want that extra boost in graphics over, I think, the smoothness. Uh, but 60 frames is nice. I think that there is a mode now that gives you both uh, on Miles Morales, and I just haven't gotten to try that out yet. But I think it's an added improvement to Spider-Man. The ray tracing effects really make it look cool. There are certain things, certain suits where it really pops, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man suit with the webbing when you wear it, because it's 3D webbing. The lighting effects on everything are fantastic. And the extra photo mode, things you can do now by putting light sources everywhere and really make photos that are really cool is a nice touch. And the game just runs smooth and runs fast. As soon as you want to play the game, you just load New York City, all of New York City. I was impressed when Ghost of Tsushima loaded their island, uh, but I am more impressed by how quickly all of Manhattan loads in Spider-Man Remastered. It really just, as soon as you click the button, one second you're in there and you can see the draw distance goes all the way out from one end of the island to the other. Now, you, the, some of the cars and textures still kind of pop in a little bit, but it's negligible uh, and understandable. You can't have, you know, the entire city that never sleeps driving around while you're trying to do this. But it's just so awesome. And that really showcases the power of the system. And while maybe there isn't anything that's like really like draw dropping in terms of harnessing this power, it really shows that all of this is nothing for the PlayStation 5, you know. So what's it going to take to really push a PlayStation 5? And it might take a couple of years for us to get anything like that that really pushes our the graphical limits of our systems. But I think this is a really cool showcase of, you know, we might only have PlayStation 4 games on our PlayStation 5 and Xbox One games on our Series Xs, but it's nothing to them. So get ready for when there's actually something next gen. 
Now, I will say with the ray tracing effects and remastered, although they're really nice and they really do add to it, especially when you play the game at sunset or sunrise, for those that don't know, Spider-Man is locked in its time settings. You can, after you've beaten the game, go into a research station and change the time to whenever you want to play. But during the story, for story purposes, you're locked into certain times of day, which I like, I'm fine with. I find it awkward when you're in a nighttime scene it's clearly supposed to be daytime or the game just suddenly changes the time of day uh, at the drop of a hat just to make sense for the story being locked in a certain time of day makes more sense for the story in my opinion but while these lighting effects from the sun are really cool and some of the lighting effects in terms of the buildings are really nice you still get some area lights and point lights i think that were just originally baked into the game so there's kind of a combination of ray tracing and regular lights which i think if Dave were here or Dave played it, he would tell me he can't notice the difference between the two. And I would agree that at some points, especially in the night levels where there are a lot of street lights and point lights, it's tough to see what's ray tracing and what's not. But I think when you play the game, you really can tell, especially like I said, with different suits. Now, Miles Morales is a completely different story, which we'll get to when I do the full Miles Morales episode. But the game for Spider-Man Remastered just runs incredibly smooth. Even at that 30 frames, it never seems to dip below. There never seems to be a stutter, no matter how many bad guys and bombs and zips you're going through with your, your swings to the city. Everything snaps. You go to photo mode immediately. You come out of it. You change your costumes. It's like instantaneous, which I believe it was as well on the PlayStation 4. All of this is really cool with the added benefit of the haptic feedback on your web swings. So you get a little bit of resistance on your right trigger when you're trying to swing through the city, which just gives you this extra feeling of actually zipping through the city. You know, the microphone, the speaker in the controller also gives you a little bit of a thwip sound and there's some electricity sounds and punch sound effects that come through that I don't remember on PlayStation 4. So they really are, I think, trying to utilize the speaker in the controllers, and this is something, you know, Astro's Playroom did as well, but that's more of a showcase. But the Spider-Man game really does try to envelop you, I think, with this controller sound that I think other games on PlayStation 4 used more like a gimmick. This is really using in a way that makes the game more immersive along with the haptic feedbacks, which I think are really cool. In terms of the haptic feedback, the actual rumble of the controller, I didn't notice anything that was particularly positionally focused um where oh that's definitely a rumble on my right side of the controller instead of the left side or you know there's some rumble when i'm pulling back on the joystick there's nothing like that yet uh neither with miles morales so that's a little disappointing but i get that in game that was already made and i guess in terms of miles morales it's an upgrade to an existing game that you don't have that in there yet because it wasn't again baked into it it wasn't built in when they made it so I, I can't wait to see more of that feature. A little disappointed the rumble's not in there, but the the pressure triggers are in there, which I think are really cool and really add to it. Now, you can only get Spider-Man Remastered if you pay for the $70 version of Miles Morales, which is the regular price of a PlayStation 5 game nowadays. Um, PlayStation, Sony PlayStation games are going to be $70. They're leaving it up to other developers on what they want to do, but... More likely than not, you're going to see AAA titles on the PlayStation 5 at $70. Now, Xbox, if you have Game Pass Ultimate, that's going to be 
obviously free. Microsoft right now, I believe it's still $60 for anything that's come out so far, but I can totally see Microsoft joining suit in terms of pricing them at $70. If other games like Madden, NBA, 2K, those type of games are going to be $70 as well. I believe the show 21 is going to be $70 when it comes out on both systems. So for $70, the price of the regular game, you get Miles Morales and Spider-Man Remastered. Miles Morales is a shorter experience. I can't tell you exactly how much shorter because I'm still playing it. But coupled with Spider-Man Remastered, it is definitely a must-buy. I mean, the Spider-Man game is fantastic. I know we did not review it on this podcast because it came out the year before the podcast had come out. Uh, But if you haven't played the Spider-Man PlayStation game, go out and get it. If you're someone who's planning on getting a PlayStation 5, get Remastered. It's such a good game. It is, I wouldn't say a wholly different game than some of the other open world Spider-Man games like Spider-Man 2 on Xbox. It is the continuation of that kind of idea of what those games could be. And it really is the best Spider-Man game that has come out yet. Both gameplay, action, stealth, suit, characterization, and the story is just incredible. The ending of of Spider-Man Remaster really is something worth experiencing. It really does shock you that they they put this kind of story and these emotional throughways in a superhero story in a in a game a video game i think it's far and away better than any of the more recent spider-man movies you know tom holland is a great spider-man i think those movies are pretty bad i wasn't a huge fan of the amazing spider-man spider-man 3 is awful so this is the first good spider-man story since i, I think 2004's spider-man 2 this is really 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 a great great game and great story that needs to be experienced the one problem i have with the game would be the change in spider-man's face the original actor has been replaced with a new one according to uh insomniac games who made the game they said that it was to make the actor more resemble their voice actor but i don't know if i buy that because a lot of people have pointed out online this new guy looks a lot like they're trying to just get somebody that looks like Tom Holland. And I don't know if his face fits the Spider-Man body that they made, or it might just be because I've been playing this game on and off for two years. But the look of the original Peter Parker actor, or the face actor, was so much more in line with what I thought the voice would be. And I feel like the face is also so much more expressive and unique he's got a much more unique face with unique features and this tom holland lookalike kind of guy is more just bland white guy so i kind of miss the doofy looking uh more emotive original peter so it's going to take me some time to get used to it i don't know if i'll ever i mean i'm used to it now but i don't know if i'll like it i don't like it as much but i'll live with it but i think it was a weird change for them to make other than maybe to try to sell copies make him look more like tom holland other than that, the graphics are, like I said, commendable. They're pretty good. Uh, definitely an upgrade from the original in terms of the ray tracing lighting. The gameplay is great. Pick it up, $70. I'm rambling now. I'm stopping. That's my mini review on Spider-Man Remastered. Go pick it up. It's got all the DLC, which a lot of people complained about, but I found the DLC pretty cool. It's Spider-Man doing more New York-friendly neighborhood Spider-Man stuff with a case that's more grounded in... New York City crime, but it's it's quite long with quite a few different side missions. It kept me going for a few days of playing it 
you know, five hours a day trying to get through it. So there's definitely a lot of content on there. In other news, there are two pieces of news for the same project that came out within the same day that I thought was pretty neat. The very first one is going to be that The Last of Us TV show on HBO has found its Ellie. And Bella Ramsey, who's best known as playing Liana Mormont in Game of Thrones, is going to play Ellie in the adaption. And I think that's really, really cool. Uh, We talked about it before, what we think of the story. Dave and I kind of went back and forth on it. I ended up kind of agreeing with Dave that if it reaches more people, that's great because it's a great story, the original Last of Us game. I would rather have seen something take place in the same universe, but leave those characters to the actors and actresses that played those characters in the game. But what are you going to do? It's going to happen. And if it's going to happen, I think Bella Ramsey is a fantastic pick. Anyone who saw Game of Thrones know that Leanna Mormont stole every scene she was in. She was an amazing, strong, young teen actress. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how young she was when she filmed it, but she seemed like she was no older than 12. And she commanded every scene she was in as you know, the leader of her uh, clan or her family. She was really tough, really smart, held her own, went out like a champ. So I think that she's going to play a great character as Ellie, who's, you know, rambunctious and strong and vulnerable at the same time. You know, she's a bit older than when she played in Game of Thrones. It's been four or five years, so she's perfectly in line with Ellie's age of, I think, 14 or 15. And as long as she can do a good American accent, I think that she's going to do great on this show. It kind of makes me a little bit more excited for it. I know that a lot of people are excited because Craig Mazin, I believe is how you say his last name, is the creator of the Chernobyl TV show on HBO, which everyone has said is phenomenal and one of the best things that has been on TV. I have yet to see it. I know Mike Field, who I do the Forgotten Cinema podcast with, also agrees that it was a great, great TV show. So I know this guy will do a great job. I'm just a little sour about them adapting the exact story. But I think that's great casting. In other news, a little later on, which is very interesting, is that another character has been announced for the HBO Last of Us TV show. And that is... The character of Joel will be played by none other than Din Djarin himself, the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. He has been cast as Joel in The Last of Us, the protector of Ellie, the one who has to bring Ellie to the Fireflies in the game and ends up slowly turning from a smuggler mercenary who cares little for this child to someone who would give his life and everyone else's life to save her. So I think Pedro Pascal will do great. I mean, that kind of Western character is kind of what he's done in the Mandalorian and if you've seen him on other things like uh, Kingsman also Game of Thrones you know that he can play a character that's got a lot of of range and can be dangerous and can do action scenes and doesn't have to hide behind a, a suit so I think that's really cool so I think he'll do a fantastic job as well now I don't think they have a release date for this tv show yet because obviously because of COVID and everything was delayed. I thought it was supposed to come out this year, but it's definitely gotten delayed. It is again, created by that Craig Mazin guy and the last of us games director, Neil Druckmann, the guy who did last of us one and two. So I'm sure the series is in good hands at the very least. 
In other news, something I thought was pretty cool is that files have recently leaked for a 007 GoldenEye remaster where it was remaking the game. It was supposed to be on 360 for Xbox Live Arcade. It was going to be redone textures and models based closer to the characters that they were in GoldenEye. It's kind of a cleaned up, slightly more modern interpretation, or not even modern interpretation, a more cleaned up remaster of the original game. Not like how the other re-release for 360, I believe Wii U, where it was the game taking the GoldenEye story and doing their own game on it. This is literally the old Nintendo 64 game by Rare remade. Uh, The files were leaked. I'm sure someone has them somewhere. They've probably tried to clean them up though, so it's probably tough to find the files. I have not looked myself, but if you really want to find them, I'm sure they're on there somewhere. But there are videos now on YouTube. There's an entire full playthrough of the game uh, posted on the internet on YouTube. It's really cool to see the old game all cleaned up, and apparently the game was just going through bug bug fixes. It's completely done. can play from start to finish, all sound effects, everything. And it was the rights issues that weren't cleared. And I guess they got okays from pretty much everybody except for the, the one guy at Nintendo who really mattered and said, there's no way a Nintendo game is going to be on a Microsoft product. And they uh, nixed it. So unfortunately, we'll never see the light of day of a GoldenEye remaster, a game that has notoriously been mired in different who owns the rights kind of hell. You know, it's one of the most popular games on Nintendo 64. I would say it's probably one of the most popular first-person shooters of all time. It's definitely in the top 10. And yet we haven't seen a remaster or remake or re-release like we have for pretty much everything else. And I think that's very interesting and unfortunate because it really was a fantastic game and it would really be neat to see a cleanup or a remaster and to see this old game brought back to life and to have maybe a new generation of young people who haven't really played the original N64 version kind of come on and see like this is you like your first person shooters you like your Call of Duty Warzone and stuff like this console shooter games this is kind of what caused them to be where they are now this is kind of the progenitor of a lot of them or a lot of concepts for them so that's unfortunate that's not on I hope that one day it all gets fixed. But if you want to find these files, try out the game. Go right ahead and do it. I'm sure someone will shut it down soon, especially since it's a Nintendo thing, I guess. And they are uh, very litigious people and will almost certainly be pulling files down. I'm surprised the footage is still on YouTube, but I guess once it spreads like this, uh, it's kind of why bother, especially for a game that was for 360. You know, we're two systems away from it now. Another piece of news I have is, I thought it was cool, is that Epic Games has a new software, I guess, or a new tool to help creators develop games. And in this case, create video game characters. And more than just video game characters, characters for any kind of thing you want to do. Make characters for your apps, for your games, for your movies. 3D characters, lifelike 3D characters. It's called the MetaHuman Creator. It's a browser-based app that lets developers create 3D characters and models more quickly and easily than previously possible. It's going to be releasing early access sometime in the next few months. So they have videos right now of people just kind of loading characters in and all these pre-done 
humans, you know, from white, black, Asian, Hispanic, and then you can kind of mix them up. You can say, I want a timeline. It looks like you can create a circle of, of people and have that be like their family of people, their genetic family. And then it will create a character based on that. And from then on, you can also edit all these different points in their face, like the most advanced character creator you've ever seen. Uh, something akin to maybe the Mass Effect games, which I think have some of the best facial character creators and really start adding stubble and nostril flare and, you know, flaredom, whatever on the nose and all these different things and eyes and age them and add beards and hair pieces. And it really looks incredible. It looks kind of in the style of, I would say like the last of us in terms of the photorealism of the characters, like they're definitely video game characters, but they're not quite trying to be super real to the point where they look like puppets. But they are very, very lifelike, especially when certain amounts of light hit them. They do look like they could be real people. It, it really is a really cool system. I don't know how much it is, but I almost want to get it to try to mess around with it, even though obviously I don't create video games. Um, I'm I'm not that good. <laughs> I I would like to mess around with this a little bit because it does seem like a really fun and more or less intuitive system for a game development software where I feel like I could create some of my own characters, which would be cool to see the ability to import them into other games that use the Unreal Engine going forward. I know Unreal Engine 5 is going to start releasing soon. Developers are already kind of playing with it and I'm sure we'll see games within the next year or two using Unreal Engine 5. And I'd like to be able to be able to use this creator stu uh, studio or something more user-friendly, something more consumer-friendly would be the better word. Or I can create these characters, upload them into my game, and these are my player characters that I use after that. But definitely check it out. Check out the video for the MetaHuman Creator. If you like character creation tools and games and stuff like that, if that interests you, which it does me, I, I would definitely check it out. It's really, really cool. And it's going to help streamline video game creation a lot. Uh, a, a huge amount of time goes into creating characters. You know, that's... Imagine drawing the most realistic person you can now. Imagine drawing them in a 2D or in a 3D, 4D space that you need to interact with, that need to move, that need to emote, that need to match their vocals, where the hair needs to be on exactly perfectly, that need to be a particular age. You know, this, this would really help to create these unique characters. And then, you know, if you want to really hone in on it, you can with these different pinpoints and trackers without having to draw things from scratch or really work on, you know, all these different background extras that you may or may not have in your game. You know, create your main main crew from scratch and then use this to create all your others, your supportings and your supporting characters and your extras. I can definitely see it without even working in the video games community, see it shaving down time for video game creation by a lot, a lot of manpower hours. And that is definitely the name of the game in here because like I think Dave and I have talked about on an episode before we had a huge discussion about the future of games and how much money they're going to cost and how much time they're going to take to make and how much staff they're going to take to, to create. You know, it's going to get to a point where games become untenable, where they're going to cost more than even the most expensive blockbuster. And steps like these are going to really help 
mitigate that, you know, creation tools like this, AI learning, and you really have the software help you make a game instead of creating the software to help you then create a game. Creating software to help you makes it a lot easier. So I'm pretty excited about that. Then I believe the last thing I want to leave you guys with is that I finally played the Resident Evil demo for Resident Evil Village on PlayStation 5. I actually played it before the last episode and I just didn't get around to talking about it. So I played Village or the demo, which is called Resident Evil Maiden, and it's really a technical demo, I guess. It's really just a tease. It's a big, big tease, even more than uh, what was it called? Beginning Hour or something for Resident Evil 7. There are almost no characters to speak of in this game. It doesn't really have, I think, the scare factor of Resident Evil 7, where you're in the house and you don't know what's going to happen. I think this is really just showing, hey, look at these certain rooms in this uh, chateau or this castle and try to get out. It's, it's a super easy, super short game. I think it's maybe 30 minutes if you really walk around and check every little nook and cranny. There are a couple of, of scare moments. There's a couple of the, I don't even know how to pronounce their name, sisters coming out and kind of going oogie boogie and scaring you. One bites you and then at the end, you know, you see the big, tall, giant lady who has become this this cosplay sensation, I guess. And overall, I was really excited to play this demo. I really thought it would be something like the Resident Evil 7 demo where I'm like, oh man, this changes everything. The first person perspective really makes it scarier. I don't know what's going to happen. These hillbillies are really creepy. The rooms are creepy. I found the mansion and Chateau Castle. Maybe it's because I played too many medieval games, but I, I just didn't find it as creepy because it wasn't as realistic. It Granted, by realistic, I don't mean the graphics weren't good. I mean that how many people get kidnapped and put in a castle like Beauty and the Beast type castle? Not many. But how many people see a dilapidated house while driving by anywhere in the world? This dilapidated type suburban farmhouse type thing. I think that's more common and more creepy because you really can get a sense of that. This is more, ooh, wow, look at all this wine, but it's probably blood. The vampire angle, I think, is probably what does it for me too. It doesn't do it for me. It's just kind of out of nowhere. And I know there's going to be like a werewolf type character. It's getting more into Resident Evil five and six where the monsters started to be less mutations and definitely no zombies and more as outlandish as they come and i'm very interested to see maybe how they link this but i'm also still very excited for the game because resident evil 7 was fantastic uh it was really interesting how they kind of tied everything into the main franchise while still leaving this as their its own kind of new subset of the Resident Evil franchise. And we're going to get Chris Redfield back, obviously, looking kind of shady. We're going to get, it looks like more a little bit more action in this one. You're back to being Ethan. Overall, I'm excited for it, but I got to say, if you are, are looking for that PS5, trying to get onto it so you can get to play that Maiden demo... I would say, especially that's how I was during that final push when I finally got it. I would say temper your expectations. It really is just this technical demo that ends with, thanks, 
See you soon. The game comes out in May. I know it, which is three months away from when I'm recording this. And I know in a month or two, there's going to be another demo on all systems. That one will probably be more akin to what we have played for Resident Evil 7, that demo, and be something that really showcases the horror. You know, maybe some of the fighting combat situations in the game. Until that time, I would say just watch the trailer. Don't kill yourself trying to play this demo. If you want to play it, play it, but you're not going to go back to it. And I don't think you're going to want to beat it numerous times because I don't think there's that many Easter eggs for you to find unless you just really like to see that big lady come pick you up and end the demo. That's it for this episode. Just some quick impressions of, of different things. Unfortunately, Dave was not able to join us that up this episode, but that's fine. I think I'm getting used to some of these solo adventures. So that's it. Stay tuned for next week's episode. If it's a solo adventure again, I will be doing my post game on Miles Morales. If it's not, then we'll be doing a news episode. I also know that the Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury game comes out tomorrow as per this recording. Both of us will certainly be getting that and playing through that uh, either together or separate. I know I'll probably be playing it with my fiance a little bit because I think she'd get a kick out of it. It was one of the best Mario games when it came out at the time. And now that it's out on Switch, I hopefully it's got a bigger audience that will finally appreciate the fact that it is the perfect blend of 2D Mario and 3D Mario games. It is a blast to play. And I'm just really excited to play that as well as Miles Morales. So stay tuned for us talking about all that stuff, plus the latest and greatest in PlayStation, Xbox, PC, and Nintendo news, previews, and reviews. For two-player bros, I'm Mike. Stay safe and keep on gaming.